get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Ready to roll on another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. You can subscribe to the show if you miss any of it or want to listen on your time at iTunes, on SoundCloud, or TSN1050.ca, the show page. Just fall down. You'll see my smiling face. Click on it. Every episode, if you miss anything, is right there. Great show for you today. Our TSN regulars, Travis Yost and Scott Cullen from TSN.ca, as well as James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, and our fantasy hockey expert from DraftKings and NHL.com, James Harding. But as he usually does, unless he's flying to an exotic location, batting leadoff, Travis Yost on the line. Travis, how's it going? I'll have you know the last location I was in was Iowa. So oh. exotic is not necessarily, oh. yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> Whew. Listen, you, you've been on enough Hawaii trips. You deserve an Iowa. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to go in a month. So, right. yeah, I, I, I'll be back. Don't worry. You'll be back. You'll be back. Iowa. Whew, that's uh, that's chilly. Okay. Uh, Travis, you tweeted, <laughs> tweeted uh, last night from at Travis Yost that if every team was built like the Nashville Predators, the NHL would have 20% annual growth. What is it about this team you like so much? Uh, first off, they're incredibly talented, but they play hockey so fast. And, it's, and when we talk about teams that play fast, it's not just do you have a bunch of fast skaters. It's do you transition the puck well? Um, do you use the edges to put defenders in bad positions? Do you generate a lot of scoring chances, a lot of shot volume? Nashville makes a lot of teams very, very uncomfortable because pretty much on every night they play faster than their opponent. And I think that is kind of the shift that we've seen in the NHL. Like, you know, in the NBA, a lot of the shift has been, okay, it's historically three small guys and two bigs, and now it's kind of become a 4-1 hybrid because the league has realized that all the three-point shots are really valuable, so we're going to play less bigs and open up the floor a little more. And the NHL, it's kind of had a similar evolution uh, you know, even five, seven years ago, it was all about we've got to get bigger, we've got to get bigger, we've got to get bitter, bigger because San Jose and L.A. and Anaheim were really big. And I think we've seen a real shift in that where teams are really starting to emphasize, at least in a relative sense, skill, speed, um, quick puck movement. And, and, and that, that's kind of a staple of where, where the game is headed. I, I think it's great for the NHL. I think it's a, a good trend. I think it's much more exciting to watch. Uh, I, I have never been one. I'm sure there are fans out there that are interested in it, but I've never been one to love, you know, a six seven guy just pinning someone up against the yeah. boards for thirty seconds. It's not it's not really entertaining to me. Um but I, I think it's I, I think Nashville is uh, and they're not the only team to do this, but they have set a tone. They've built well from the back end. They've got a lot of really capable first, second tween uh tweener line type talents in the forward ranks. And look, they're a really well rounded team. I think you can make the argument they're maybe the one of the best teams in hockey right now. So yeah, and, and the game last night between them and Vegas I thought was incredible. Just super up-tempo, uh, a lot of chances on both ends. I thought Nashville was a better team, got the wrong result. But, yeah, I, I think that is the prototype for where teams are going in the next few years. Well, they may be one of the best teams, but the best team in the NHL right now headlined your most recent piece on TSN.ca saying the Lightning might be even better than you think. So they're top of the league through the first quarter of the season. So, Travis, what's their ceiling? How good can they be? They're, it's ridiculous. Now, they're a very good 5-on-5 five five team. Not not the best 5-on-5 five five team we've ever seen, far from it, but they're very good. But they have that 
plus an unbelievable power play. I mean, the power play is scoring on almost 30% of their chances, I believe, through a quarter of the season, more than a quarter of the season, which is absurd. And they're getting goaltending, too. Andre Vasilevsky has been fine, more than fine, for, for Tampa Bay. You combine an elite power play, good five-on-five, and goaltending, you are almost impossible to beat. I think you can make an argument that, yeah, look, the power play might regress a little bit. No one can shoot, you know, no one can convert on 29% of their power play chances through the entire season. Fine, not not really a point in dispute. But at the end of the day, like, Tampa Bay is just loaded with talent across the board. Their goal differential at the time of the piece was they were plus 32 in goals over 27 games. If you put that on an 82-game pace, that would make them plus 97 in goals by the end of the season. Just for a frame of reference, the next best team in the modern era was about 10 goals worse than that. So right wow. now, and again, like yeah, I, th- I think the games will get tighter in March and April. Not a, again, not, not another point, not in dispute, but they are on pace right now to be the best team by by pure goal differential in the modern era, and and that that is a testament to how far and away. They are really in the league, but especially in that their division is just so crappy. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> Toronto's a good and fine team. Montreal's playing better, but it, neither of those teams are catching Tampa Bay. And I, I think Tampa Bay, the, the key for them is how do we keep our foot on the pedal through 82 games when – you know, it, there's not a lot of competition behind him right now, let's be honest. Yeah, when you start to pull away, and that's that's the challenge sometimes, right? How do you stay fresh, and then when playoff time comes around, can you then flip the switch back if you haven't kept it flipped all year? Because there's only so much energy and, and focus I, I think a team can do, right? Yeah, I, I, and I think the one saving grace for them is their team is pretty young. Like, yeah. I, I think that might be more of a concern with older players who are, you know, understandably kind of sick of going through the motions, you know, by game 60 in February. Uh, but that, and that's the other thing. Like people think they, they everyone has talked about. Look, Stamkos and Mesnikov, Kucherov is maybe the best line in hockey for sure. One of the three best lines in hockey. They have had great production from their second and third lines as well. Uh, Alex Kalorn's been great. Tyler Johnson's been great. Uh, they've gotten a, some production out of the, uh, some unexpected call-ups. And Mikhail Sergachev on their blue line has been phenomenal. And he's been playing. They've kind of um, re, re, uh, re-upped or changed their uh, defensive pairings. We've, we've been so accustomed to, you know, Anton Strauman and Victor Hedman always play together at all times. That's been the case for years, and they've been such a dynamic pairing. Sergachev's been playing a lot with um, Strauman, which has allowed Hedman to move up. So now they, they really have this really beautiful balance of two pairings and three good lines. And, again, they're getting goaltending, and you can't take a penalty against them because they'll score on you every time. It's like it, 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 you look around the league, and there's other really good teams, but Tampa Bay right now today matches up with any team in the league pretty much no problem. And I, and I get it. If you play Pittsburgh, you got to deal with Crosby. Right. If you play Nashville, they're super fast. But for the most, like Tampa Bay is the best team in the league right now. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. So if we look at the standings right now, we go, okay, we have the Lightning at the top, but second is the Los Angeles Kings. And right now, they, they're more like you know the, the team that won a couple cups between 2012 and 2014, at least in the standings. But long-term season-wide, are they closer to the cup teams or the ones that missed the playoffs? Man, this is a great question. Um, I, I'm kind of in the middle on your answer. Let, let me explain why here. Okay. I, I don't think the team, the biggest driver of their success through the season has been Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick has been unbelievably good this year. So what you're asking me is, do you think I'm comfortable betting on a guy who has been, for the last eight years, 
a historically average or slightly below average starting goaltender. Do <laughs> you want me to bet on him for another 50 games of being a, a true Vezina-capable talent goaltender? I, I'm not really inclined to do that. I mean, <laughs> I don't think anyone is, right? Right, like, right. Even, even, if you think, even if you think Jonathan Quick is better than he's shown in the past eight years, you would not bet on this season sustaining over a full period. And goaltending has been far and away the biggest driver of success. Now, even when L.A. missed the playoffs, it's worth noting that they were a pretty good team. I mean, they were right on the cut line pretty much every both of the years that I think they missed. Um, I, I, think, I think they will make the playoffs. I think they're a good team. I think they're going to benefit quite a bit from Edmonton really not playing well for a third of the season. Calgary is not, is not nearly where they, they thought they would be either. And L.A., I think, is slightly better than we expected. But, again, the biggest driver for their success, I think, right now is goaltending. And even even if you think, okay, that will sustain to 80%, 90%, that, that kind of marginalizes how good they are. I mean, it certainly, if I put them in a series today with a St. Louis or Nashville, um, even maybe Vegas, like there, there are three or four teams that I think would be favored over them in a series right now, which, what, that's fine. Like, if you're the fifth-best team in your conference, you've got a real shot. But sure. I, I just... That, that's why I'm saying I think they are a playoff team, but I like cup contender. I, I don't see it with the, today's current roster. So compare them to let's say the Montreal Canadiens, who all right, we know if Carey Price isn't playing well, you're done. It's there's it's over. If if Quick does come back down, is it are, are we looking at a Montreal style dip or an averaging out? Like where do you think that that falls? I think it looks exactly like that. I actually think Montreal has a better roster top to bottom hmm, than, okay. than L.A. Um, I think I think L.A. has the benefit of having Dowdy. I think they have a better defenseman of the two teams. Um, but I, I think Montreal has a really underrated forward group, and that's that's why I was kind of optimistic. Even when they got out to a dreadful start to the season, the, the two things that were working against Montreal is they were shooting 3.5% at 5-on-5, which is patently absurd. I mean, you couldn't replicate that in 100,000 different seasons. And Carey Price wasn't being Carey Price. And, again, it's like the reverse of Jonathan Quick here, which is, yeah, Carey Price has been consistently a top-five goaltender for a decade. Do I think randomly he's horrible? Uh, no, I don't. Like, <laughs> maybe he's not a top-five goalie anymore. I doubt that, too. But, I mean, like, again, it was, being Bayesian about it, he's still way, way, way above average. And, and again, like, their forward groups are pretty good. Um, they were not going to shoot 3.5%, despite what some people argued online. And, lo and behold, now they're shooting 8% at 5-on-5. Five five. It's a surprise. Regression <laughs> still exists in 2017. So, I, I, and, and the other benefit to Montreal, too, that, that again, is worth emphasizing here, if the Pacific Division isn't great, I, I don't know what, what Montreal's division is. Because, again, like, I, I think you can make a very, very good case. Montreal's the third-best team in that division. Like, a very good case. And that, that's... Hmm. It's, again, Montreal's okay, but that, that's a testament to how shaky that division is right now. Travis, thank you so much as always, sir. We'll do it again next week. Of course. Take care, man. All right. Travis Yost from tsn.ca. Follow him on Twitter. A must-follow at Travis Yost. We're going to take the break and come back with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto. We'll talk some Maple Leafs and swing around the league with James Myrtle when TSN Hockey Analytics returns across the TSN radio network. Center ice with Sam Bennett getting it in over line and a sprawling save made by Anderson. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network. Still to come in the program, we'll get into some fantasy hockey talk 
with DraftKings and NHL.com fantasy analyst James Harding, as well as Scott Cullen from TSN.ca with Heroes and Zeros. Let's talk some Maple Leafs, though, first with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto. James, how's it going, my friend? Good, Andy. How are you today? I'm doing well. Hey, listen, a huge weekend. Huge weekend for the Maple Leafs. Tonight, they're in Pittsburgh taking on Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Tomorrow, Connor McDavid and the Oilers come to the ACC. Uh, both games right here on TSN 1050, by the way. What would you consider to be a successful weekend after facing the two biggest names in back-to-back nights? Uh, I think if they could pull three points out of this weekend, then that's, hmm. that's obviously pretty good. I mean, the Leafs are on a roll right now. They're 10-3-1 and in their last 14 games. Frederick Anderson's been probably the best goalie in the NHL over that span of a little more than a month. Uh, if they can keep that role going, you know, I don't think they necessarily need to win both of these games, but, you know, to continue to, to pile up points uh, as they head out on some really long road trips the rest of December, I think that that looks pretty good for the Leafs. Yeah, and you mentioned over the last 14 and the last 10, the Leafs are 6-3-1, and one, uh, and you mentioned it, uh, Freddie Anderson, we heard him off the top, unquestioned MVP of the team right now. How much has he bailed out the Leafs? Is he making up for deficiencies in the overall team game? Yeah, I mean, over that span of those 14 games where they're 10-3-1, and one, they've been allowing about 37 shots on goal on average. So, you know, you look at it, the Leafs aren't generating as many chances as they were earlier in the year. They're 27th in shots per game. Uh, they're 24th in shots against per game, um, where they're first in the league is in save percentage. So Frederick Anderson has been a huge part of, of this rule that they're on. Now, I mean, you talk about what would constitute a good weekend. I mean, I think if we can see the Leafs play better, a better team game, and not just rely on goaltending so much, I think that that will go a long way towards them having a good weekend as well. In conversation with James Myrtle on Twitter, at Myrtle. And James, uh, the salary cap is projected to go up anywhere from 3 to $6 million next season. How much does that help the Leafs with those looming contracts like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander? Yeah, it's really big, you know, for sure. And the thing, too, is that the the Matthews and the Marner contract don't kick in until two years from now. Right. So if the NHL can have cap growth both this summer and the and the following summer leading into 2019, you know, potentially we could be looking at a salary cap that goes from $75 million to 83 or even $85 million. Hmm. That jump of, of 8 to $10 million, it's big because they can dedicate a lot of that to the kids. You know, William Nylander's contract is going to come on, online uh, next season. The Leafs cap situation for next season looks okay. It's just once they've got to pay all three of those guys, it's going to get a little bit tight. And, you know, we can see that in, in a team like Edmonton that's coming in on Sunday. Once you start to make those tough decisions, sometimes the depth of your roster gets eroded a little bit. And, you know, that could start to happen with the Leafs as soon as next season with Tyler Bozak and James Van Riemsdyk and Leo Komarov, all free agents, and potentially none of them coming back next year. Yeah, and freeing up the space that time. Because it's, I guess it's all about... James, how how far they go this season, the Maple Leafs, right? Because that rebuild got kicked up about 20 notches last year, Marlowe coming in. So really depends where you want to go. But you're right, at some point, the likes of JVR, Bozak, and, and Komarov are going to be moved out to, to have to make room for to pay all the kids. Yeah, and I mean, the good news is that the Leafs have the best farm system in the league right now. Yeah. The Marlies are first in the AHL, so they just need to have guys coming up on entry-level contracts that are making a lot of money that can replace and fill some of those holes. So, you know, the Leafs are not in, in a bad position, but the more the cap goes up, it's obviously the better for wealthy teams that have a lot of talent like Toronto. 
Now, James, according to uh, Leafs a TSN reporter Kristen Shilton, William Nylander still skating on a line with Matt Martin and Dominic Moore. Is this something that you think can result in success for the team long term, or are we going to see Nylander have to be back, bumped back up eventually? No, I can't imagine it's something that they're going to want to do long term. No. Short term, it does work pretty well in that that fourth line has been pretty dangerous. You know, it's helped them win some games because William Nylander's out there creating things. You know, that line is playing against other teams' third D pairings. It's playing against other teams' fourth lines. You know, there's no other fourth line around the NHL that has a player as talented as William Nylander on it. So they have done some damage in the short term. But in the long term, you need William Nylander to be a big piece of your team. And certainly when, you know, we get into the discussion of his next contract and where he's going to fit into the lineup, and if they lose Tyler Bozak, potentially they're going to need William Nylander to play more at center next season. You know, they they need him to take that next step. And I think part of what we're seeing right now is – Mike Babcock's trying to get that out of him. He's trying to get him to limit the number of mistakes he's making and uh, and, and, and and trust him a little bit more than he does right now. In conversation with James Myrtle from The Athletic Toronto on Twitter, at Myrtle. Uh, James, something you wrote about last week that uh, caught our eye was the proposal of having an all-Canadian division in the NHL. Why do you think that would be either a good idea and, and could it work? You sound skeptical of the yeah, idea. I, I, I'm not. I'm not against it. I'm. I'm, I'm interested to, to uh, for our listeners to hear the explanation. So this was before <laughs> before that we heard all the talk that Seattle was coming into the league, right? And I proposed arena. that you had a team in Quebec City, then you've mm-hmm. got eight Canadian teams, and you could create a fully Canadian division. The reason that I had this idea is that I was on that trip through uh, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver with the Leafs last week, and I just saw the response to the games. Those really are rivalry games, even though it only happens once a year. And I think it makes a lot of sense to build up those rivalries. If you had a Canadian division and you kept the division playoff format, then you would have all Canadian matchups. In You'd have two of them in the first round, one of them in the second round, and you'd be guaranteed to move a Canadian team through to the third round hmm. of the playoffs. I think it would be good for interest in the NHL, not only in Canada, where you would have a high percentage of the games, but probably about a third of the games would be all between Canadian teams. It would also increase interest in the U.S. where um, a lot of times when Ottawa or Edmonton or Calgary go down and play those teams in the U.S., the attendance isn't particularly good. The TV ratings aren't particularly good. Most of the time, a lot of those American markets don't want to see a lot of the Canadian teams. I think if you separated it, it would be good for the league in terms of attendance. It would be good for the league in terms of TV ratings. It would be really good for the league in Canada in that it would just build up those rivalries to such an extent. Well, and you touched on it with the possible expansion to Seattle in the NHL. It's picked up some steam. Uh, They have the new arena that got approved. The team would cost $650 million to begin play in the 2020 uh, and 2021 season. Do you think a 30-second NHL team is a good thing for the league, bringing Seattle in? Uh, I'm a bit skeptical about Seattle. I'm from the West Coast. I spent a lot of time in the city. You know, I, the hockey roots there don't run that deep. Mm. Um, obviously, they've already got the, the Seahawks and the Mariners there uh, and the Sounders, who you know we're going to see in the MLS Cup today. Um, you know, I, 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 I think it would do okay and, but, you know, I do have some, some reservations about how well an NHL team would do there, especially when you're charging ownership $650 million for an expansion fee. That's, that's a lot of money for them to have to absorb up front. Yeah, but hey, if uh, Vegas is starting off the way they do, if Seattle did the same, you know, winning, winning draws people in at first, I guess, right? 
Guess it depends but, on the Tampa. Yeah, I mean Vegas is such a special case it in that is. they don't have any other teams, and they've got so many tourists right, there. And right. I think Vegas is going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, Seattle, I think, I think they'll be okay. And they're really banking on that rivalry with Vancouver to really build up that team. Yeah, a lot of competition for the dollar for sure. Uh, James, thank you so much as always, man. Thanks, Andy. All right, James Myrtle, Editor-in-Chief of The Athletic Toronto. If you are not subscribed to The Athletic Toronto, shame on you. Go do it right now, The Athletic Toronto, and follow James on Twitter, at Myrtle. We're going to take the break. Some NHL fantasy hockey talk coming up. Some tips if you're playing daily on DraftKings or your leagues. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com joins me next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Welcome back to the show. This is TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud or the TSN 1050.ca show page on Twitter at TSN Analytics and myself at AndyMC81. Okay, hey, let's give you some fantasy hockey help here, whether it's for your daily DraftKings lineup or your league play. Friend of the show from DraftKings and NHL.com, Hockey Fantasy analyst James Harding on the line. James, how's it going, man? Well, you know, Andy, I went to bed last night, and Aaron Judge was in the Yankees lineup, and I woke up this morning, and <laughs> him and John Carlos Stanton oh. are both there. So I'm pretty happy this morning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that um, for, for the Blue Jays, uh, your window to win in the AL East has, uh, has closed. Um, it might have I, just shrunk. I hope, you, I hope, I hope Jays fans enjoyed it because uh, it's over. That's, that is formidable. Oh, my. Yeah. You're you're a big Yankees fan, so uh, congrats on I'm sure Thank several you. World Series to come. Anyway, one can only hope. One can only hope. You know what? Let's start off our hockey talk with stock up, stock down. Heading into this weekend's slate of NHL games, give us a couple stock ups for players to look for on your DraftKings lineup. Yeah, two guys who are really trending up this week uh, as far as their fantasy stock, and, and I'll start number one. One of my favorite names in the NHL as well, uh, rookie center from the Columbus Blue Jackets, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, he's centering the uh, Columbus first line between Artemi Panarin, Josh Anderson. He has eight points in his last ten games. Seven of those points, two goals and five assists, have come in his past six games. Uh, he's averaging... 3.4 DraftKings points per game uh, in his last 10, which is up from his 2.0 season average right now. So I really like where that line has been as of late. Over the first month, month and a half of the season, Columbus was a little shaky offensively. I know they had lost uh, Cam Atkinson for a while. He hasn't looked like the player this year that he was last year. Neither has Alexander Wenberg. So this line over the last 10 games has really solidified Columbus's offense, and, and I really like where they're going right now. And the other guy, surprisingly, is Tom Wilson hmm. from the Washington Capitals. He's skating on their first line right now with Alexander Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom. And we know Tom Wilson as a grinder, kind of an enforcer type. He gets great coverage in season-long leagues with uh, penalty minute categories and, and hit categories. But right now, he has 10 points in his last 11 games, uh, 15 points in, in 26 games this season. He's on pace right now for 47 points this year. His prior career high in the NHL was 23. Um, so he's, he's only nine points away from breaking his career high through uh, you know, just about a quarter of the season. 
Geez, so he's rolling along. Okay, who are we avoiding in stock down? Yeah, stock down right now, a uh, guy who I really like, but and it's kind of surprising when you look at his exposure to the offense he's in is Victor Hedman. Oh. Um, you know, he has 17 points this season, two goals and 15 assists. He's on pace for a career high in shots on goal right now, but 72 points, 33 power play points last season, 17 points and eight power play points through 28 games this year. Uh, that's a drop off uh, of over 20 points expected uh, at the end of his season total right now. He has zero points in his last six games. Uh, so it's kind of hard, even though he's in that offense, to spend up for Victor Hedman right now in uh, Daily Fantasy. And the other guy who's stocked down at the moment, even though he has 20 points in 24 games this season, is Leon Dreisaitl from the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he's been split up from Connor McDavid over the past few weeks. He's struggled offensively since then. He's centering the third line right now behind Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's with uh, Anton uh, Slepchev and uh, Nathan Walker. And he only has three points in his past six games, but two of those came in a multi-point game uh, against the Boston Bruins on November 26th. So he's struggling a little bit right now. I, I don't know how much I'm trusting putting either one of those guys in the DFS lineup at the moment. Yeah, and for uh, you talk about stock down for Drysaddle, the whole, whole Oilers franchise is in a stock down mode right now. My goodness. Just, just a little bit, yeah. Just a little bit. In conversation with James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com taking, uh, or giving some fantasy hockey advice here. Okay, let's go Maple Leaf-wise here, James. Which Leafs player offers the most fantasy value right now? And you can have it be whether it's over the weekend games or, or just a general value you see right now going into the next stretch of the season. Yeah. Uh, one guy who I think where his DraftKings fantasy uh, salary is right now who offers a great value, even though he's been bumped down into their uh, bottom six. And I know that you were just talking to James Myrtle about him a little bit before I came on was William Nylander. Mm. Um, he he has 11 points in 15 road games this season. They play at Pittsburgh tonight. He has uh, six points over his last six games, and he's only $5,200, which is a very, very mid-range value uh, for for a player of his caliber, so I, I like him uh, this weekend going against uh, Pittsburgh. Tristan Jarry hasn't been great over his past few games for Pittsburgh. He's starting to allow a few more goals in per game, so I, I think that with that offense, he can be very good. Um, a guy going forward that I like on defense, um, I, I, I like Morgan Riley. It, it's kind of hard, really. We haven't seen the production from. Toronto's defensemen as much as you would be expecting to. They still don't really have that big play defenseman that a lot of top teams in the league have, but they're just a very, very complete defense. But if you're looking for a value play, I, I like him going forward as probably the best offensive option from the Toronto Blue Line. James, when you look at just just in general, because the Leafs, as we mentioned, have back-to-back games this weekend, how do you strategize, and I know to a certain case it's, it's obviously on a, on a situation by situation basis, but in general, if you have players playing in back-to-back games and you're setting your DraftKings lineup, how do you work that? Does that come into play at all for you, or do you just roll with it? Um, I normally would say just roll with it, depending on the matchup 
who they're playing. You know, if they were playing a, uh, a a more stout defensive team on the Saturday night versus the Sunday night, I might say you know maybe lean towards them on the uh, on, on the Sunday, even though it's going to be the second game of a back to back. I think it's very matchup dependent, but I like both of their matchups this weekend against Pittsburgh and against Edmonton. Both teams have been allowing consistently more goals as of late. So I think that you just have to look at which matchup and kind of pick and choose which one uh, is better for you, even if it's the second of the two matchups that they're playing on back-to-back days. In conversation with James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey. He will answer any NHL fantasy or hockey questions you have on there, I'm sure. James, uh, when we look at, uh, at DraftKings and the NHL, there's the Pick'em Style contest we've gone over this year. And I pulled one up here because I-, I love the Pick'em Style. Although I'm you know, uh, a hardcore fan of the, the salary cap, whether it's hockey or, or football, the Pick'em Style, you have eight different tiers and in each one, you just pick which player you think is going to have the best night. So I thought, you know what? Hey, let's roll through, let's say, three of the tiers quick here and have people help. They can go to DraftKings.com to check it out and, and try their own contest. Uh, are you ready to go? Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Okay, tier one, Sagan, Gaudreau, or Kopitar. So you got Sagan versus uh, Vegas, Gaudreau versus Vancouver, and Kopitar versus Carolina. Yeah, and I like all three matchups here as well. But just uh, you know, getting back to the conversation that we just had about the back-to-backs, I like Tyler Sagan tonight <clears throat> because Vegas is playing on a back-to-back. They're coming off a very, very tough game last night in Nashville. And so having to play in Nashville and in Dallas on back-to-back nights is going to be very, very tough for that team. So I, I like Tyler Sagan here even though he's been a little up and down, pointless in his last two games, but he has 13 shots on goal over that span. So I think he's due for a big night. Another tier a little bit later on, because as the tiers go on, the players grow, and sometimes it gets a little little trickier. So let's go to tier four. You got Hoffman, James Neal, Brown, Taravainen, or Pavelski? I'm going right back to that game, oh. James Neal. Uh, he, he is very, very good as of late, 14 goals on the season, 22 points. He has three goals, or sorry, three points in his last two games, uh, 11 shots on goal in that span, 14 DraftKings points. So he's averaging seven uh, fantasy points per game in those last two. So uh, I like Neil in that matchup. Uh, Dallas averaging uh, right around three goals against per game. So uh, I, I think that Neil is good for one. And I'll give you one more here in Tier 5. Mark Stone, Drew Doughty, Skinner, Klingberg, Carlson, Eric Carlson, or Stahl? Yeah, a few really good defensemen in there. Yeah. But I-, I love Drew Doughty right now. Uh, one of the best offensive defensemen, one of the best all-around defensemen in the NHL this season. Uh, five points in his last two games, uh, six in his last four, and uh, 11 in his last ten. He's averaging 4.1 DraftKings points per game in that span. He's getting great category coverage, 25 shots on goal, 11 blocked shots. Uh, I, I would roll Drew Doughty in that lineup. All right, James, good stuff, man. People can find you on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. Thanks so much. Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com giving you some fantasy hockey advice. If you missed any of the conversation there or the tips, we'll be tweeting it out at TSN Analytics and at AndyMC on Twitter, or you can find it on the TSN1050.ca show page uh, on iTunes or SoundCloud. So if you're looking to set your lineup for your league, 
No problem. You can come back and check it out there. We'll take the break. Wrap up the show with TSN.ca. Scott Cullen with Heroes and Zeros. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Here comes Wilson behind the defense and a shot in on goal rebound. And Ovechkin scores! Wilson on a break. Forsberg stops the first. Ovechkin picks up the loose change. His NHL leading 21st of the season. Oh, Washington all the time. Three nothing Capitals. That was the uh, home call, if you couldn't tell for the Caps. Welcome back to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto. Across the TSN radio network, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud or find the show on tsn1050.ca. We also post the links at TSN Analytics and at AndyMC81 on Twitter. As we always do to wrap up the program from tsn.ca, it's Scott Cullen. Scotty, how are you? Awesome. How are you doing, Andy? I am doing well, sir. And as we usually do, let's kick off the segment with... It's time for the best and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes and zeros with Scott Cohen and Andy McNamara. Okay, and your first hero comes from the first place Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, Artemi Panarin uh, coming off a big night last night with five assists. Uh, has two goals and seven assists in the past four games. And over those four games, running about 69% Corsi, which... Um, obviously a really dominant stretch there. Um, and he's not scoring as much this year. He only has seven goals in 29 games. Um, however, uh, as a playmaker, he, he's really um, kind of found his own there in Columbus because uh, of his 25 points, he only has four secondary assists. So Pernarin is basically involved um, with primary points all the way along. And, and mm-hmm. so he's, uh, he's really made uh, hay playing on a line lately with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Josh Anderson. And, and you know, Dubois is a rookie. Anderson, uh, a young forward, kind of on, on his way up. Uh, and when that trio is together this year, they're controlling 64% of the shots, which is, you know, that's dominant Patrice Bergeron kind of stuff. So really impressive line there for Columbus. No doubt. And Kyle Turris is up for the second hero. That's right. Really good addition from the Ottawa Senators. Has six points in the past four games, 13 points in 14 games with uh, Nashville. But he's not playing as much as he did in Ottawa, uh, under 17 minutes per game in Nashville. Uh, But with Ryan Johansson out, Terrace's presence uh, and this production uh, is part of why Nashville uh, remains a top team. You know, if if they hadn't made this acquisition and Johansson's out with an injury and Benino uh, has kind of been struggling, uh, you know, Nashville could be in trouble. But they're not. They're just kind of continuing to roll along. And Kyle Terrace is a big part of that. So those are the heroes. For the zeros, there is no love for Miko Koivu this week. No, tough times for Miko Koivu. Um, in his past six games, he has no points and just seven shots on goal. Ooh. Only 44% Corsi. Uh, and this is for a guy who typically uh, controls uh, play on a pretty regular basis. He hasn't scored a goal in 19 games. And look, it's one thing to be a pass-first player. Uh, but when you start going stretches like this, um, you know, you're, you're not producing the way you should. And well, one of the things about Koivu is last year he had 58 points and, and his on-ice shooting percentage was over 10% um, for the first time in his career. Well, this year it's down at 6%. And so no, maybe no surprise that Koivu's production um, is way down. And he's, on, he's on pace for his lowest points per game since his rookie year. So speaking of no production, and that's usually where 
you'd find yourself if you're on the zero list. Uh, Rick Nash, New York Rangers, no goals, one assist in his past five. Oof. That's right. And here's here's the thing on Nash. Early in the year, he went through a, a slump. He had one goal in the first 11 games. But I was generally positive because he was he was putting shots on net. He had 41 shots in the first 11 games. And you're like, okay, the, the numbers are going to bounce back for him. And they did. Uh, he had six goals in the next eight games um, and was still generating shots. Things were looking pretty good. Over the last nine games, he has a total of 18 shots. So you're going from about three and a half shots per game down to two. Uh, and over those nine games, two assists, 43% Corsi. Uh, this is not looking good. Um, you know, and like I said, early in the year, I could, I could be kind of optimistic about Nash because he was generating shots and, and you figure the points will come. Uh, but now that the shots are, have gone down, uh, I kind of worry about uh, the trend with Rick Nash. Yeah. Okay. So those were heroes and zeros. Uh, another hero I want to get to, Scotty, you put up in statistically speaking, Monday to Friday on TSN.ca. This one went up yesterday. Uh, some guys just keep going no matter how old they are. Joe Thornton, 38 years old. And Scotty, you, you listed it out here, like uh, nine points in his past eight games. That, that's phenomenal. Yeah, well, and look, he... I don't think he's 100% to start this year. You know, he got hurt late last season, and, and I think the the Sharks sort of understand that when he came back to, to play at the beginning of this year, he wasn't necessarily going to be uh, in peak form. Uh, and so his you know his production hasn't been great. He has 19 points in 27 games, but I I think maybe what we're seeing is he's starting to come around now. That, that you know, with this nine points in eight games, and um, you know that that maybe is a, a sign that he, he's getting a little bit healthier and, and is ready to kind of carry this team. And, and I mean, they kind of need him to be to carry this team because they're not creating a whole lot offensively. Um, you know, Joe Pavelski, who basically has been riding Thornton's coattails for a few years, has uh, really fallen off. Um, and so the the sort of benefit to, to San Jose is that if Thornton kind of gets back on his game, uh, he probably drags a few guys along with him, mm. guys like Pavelski and Brent Burns. The guys who are the shooters to, to Thornton's playmaking, um, they're the ones who could benefit. Usually when we talk about players, whether they're doing well or not, it's, it's individuals. But I like what you did here under the zeros in, statistically speaking. Carolina special teams in Scotty, 4 nothing lead. And then boom. Yeah, it was, uh, that was something, right? A 4, a four nothing lead that um, they blew all with special teams goals again. Yeah. And it's one thing you give up a couple power play goals, right? You say, okay, that's... That'll um, happen. That, that happens, right? But then you also give up two shorthanded oh. goals. And, and, like, that's... You know, you give up one, that's that's pretty bad. Two in a game is backbreaking. Like, right. I, I haven't looked up the numbers, but I think if you give up two shorthanded goals in a game, the, the odds of you winning are spectacularly low. you got to be and, done. And, yeah. and so, so, you know, and at that point, you know, they... they the Carolina, who had had to be feeling pretty good about four nothing lead on, on San Jose, ends up losing five four in overtime. And you know, if your special teams kind of helped you out somewhere along the way, you wouldn't even make make it to overtime. So that's that's a tough one for Carolina because that's a team that was uh, they sort of needed that good performance, and, and it all fell apart on them. And last one for you here, Scotty, under the vital signs category, Alex Galchenyuk from Montreal. Hey now, uh, yeah, poor <laughs> Alex Galchenyuk. I I I, I am. You know, I, I'm one of the last defenders, I suppose, of Alex Galchenyuk. Maybe, maybe there are other people in Montreal who are, who are still on his side. And I, like, you know, two two games before, um, he had four assists uh, for the Habs. And so you think, oh, things are looking up for Alex Galchenyuk. Well, the other night he plays nine minutes and 18 seconds against Calgary, lowest on the team, um, and. It's it's like he can't he can't get too far out of that doghouse. It's like if they let him out of the doghouse, he's still on the leash that is <laughs> attached to it. Right. So the mo- the moment things go slightly awry, back in he goes. Yank him and, back. And, 
and this is you know this is somewhat the the history of Alexey Alchenyuk in Montreal is a, a player who um, you know may be productive at times, but uh, uh, doesn't have really full appreciation or support from the from the franchise. And then you know the fact that this year the production hasn't been there has made it really easy for them to to kind of bury him at times. And so he gets demoted to the fourth line or he ends up playing nine minutes. And, you know, you're kind of left thinking that, like, I, I can very easily see Alex Galchenyuk get traded at some point from Montreal uh, and then fare really well somewhere else where they just kind of turn him loose and say, go play. Yeah, and you mentioned, too, a team worst possession stats, 38.9, Corsi 4%, man. Whew, that's, yeah. uh, that's rough. Scotty, as always, thank you, sir. We'll do it again next week. Sounds great. Thank you, Andy. All right. Thank you. Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Have to follow him on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen and his work Monday to Friday on TSN.ca. Thank you very much to all of our guests. So for producer Sean Lively and Grady Sass, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 and across the TSN radio network.